Hi, my name is Dax, and you're watching my YouTube channel that at this time that I'm recording this does not have a name, or you might be listening to this on the Babble on the Great podcast, wherever you can get your podcast. I'm joined by my guest, Mara Fade, and she is an ex-Jehovah's Witness who also happens to have been one of the anointed. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mara. Hi, I'm Mara Fade. I've been part of the XJW community for about two years now. Okay, awesome. And do you have kids, a spouse? Mm -hmm. I have two kids, a boy and a girl, uh, 14 and 12. And then oh. I have my spouse who uh, I am thankful left with me. Oh, well, that's awesome. So just a little bit of more secular stuff. What do you do for work? Uh, I'm a bookseller. So oh. my dream oh, job. Cool. Yes, I work so at a huge bookstore. Yay. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Do you, <laughs> have, do you have any recommendations for books that you've been reading recently? Yes, I've been reading Sapiens. Um, it's taken me a while to get through it, um, but it is amazing. Um, cool. By Yuval Noah Harari. Yuval Noah Harari. I'm going to look that up real quick. Yes. Um, highly recommend. I also enjoy reading books about cognitive dissonance. Um, oh, I can't imagine why. Yes, there's one <laughs> called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. That one was instrumental in helping me wake up because I read it as a PME and it challenged my thinking. I'm adding that to my list as well. Awesome. Alrighty. So <laughs> what so what's your current status as an ex Jehovah's Witness? Are you physically and mentally out? Are you fully out? So we are faded. Yes, we are Pomo. Um our last meeting was in October of 2019. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's mm -hmm. been a while. So you got to miss all of the Zoom um, debacle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of nice to have the Zoom meetings because you could wear whatever you want mm -hmm. and yes. do whatever you want during the meeting, which was nice. Mm -hmm. um, so what's been the most exciting thing for you since waking up? Um, I've been enjoying just like a world of discovery. Like it's a new, brand new world. And um, I've been enjoying the things that were kind of denied me as a child. Um, I loved fantasy and it was confusing yes. in my childhood because sometimes it was okay and sometimes it was not okay. And I yeah. never knew what it was. It was so confusing because sometimes something would be permitted and then all of a sudden there'd be maybe a talk or a convention or an article and then all of a sudden my toys would be in the garbage oh, or videos yes. or or something or books would Did be gone. Did you ever have any instances where maybe like a friend would get upset if they saw that you had something? Yeah, even up until recently as an adult, um, there would be ministerial servants in our congregation or an elder um, that would come into our house and be like, oh, what games, what video games do you like to play? Because I enjoy video games too. Oh, cool. What and video so, games do you like to play? I like, I love everything Final Fantasy and yes. Kingdom Hearts. Yes. I love Oh my gosh. Kingdom Hearts was my yeah. first video game. Oh. And well, that's not true. I guess it was, it was the first memorable one on like an actual console mm -hmm. on a television. Um, but uh, have you tried Fire Emblem? No, I haven't even heard of this. I ooh, I will I um, drop that in the Discord for you real quick. Okay. Before I forget. Awesome. 
It is a really good strategy game. Um, slash, it's like an RPG strategy game. It's yes. great. If you like Final Fantasy, you'll probably like this game. Okay. Um, so what was your reaction when they would get upset at some of the um, quote unquote magical items in your house? Well, one, yeah, one guy that was chummy with my husband, you know, wanted to know what games I played. So I was like, oh, I, I like Kingdom Hearts. And he was like, well, you know, technically, you are practicing magic through an avatar. And he I was had like, issues with Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. I feel like it's people. so unproblematic. Oh, I guess it's Disney. Because you're casting spells, technically. Like, you cast fire or ice, you know, elementals. So I took his counsel to heart and I threw away all my magic games because I won. It was a brand new congregation. We were trying not to like sabotage making friends because we were really lonely. Like, yeah, brand new congregation had no friends. Um, The other one we came from was very clicky and we were there a year and had no friends. Wow. So I took the counsel to heart, threw everything away only to find out this dude plays Legend of Zelda. He plays uh, and reads Lord Which, of the Rings. Was And I was like, oh, so scandalized. Wow. He's okay like, with fairy magic, just not not um, Disney magic. Yeah, and then I was wow. researching like Legend of Zelda because I was so mad. Yeah, I don't blame you. Ganondorf is a chaos demon. <laughs> yeah, so literally. Then, and like, they're all kind of deities. Like, it's uh, uh-huh. the here they're there's huge themes of reincarnation in mm-hmm. Zelda. It's a huge and, theme. And then like the triune goddesses too, like that you have to pay homage <laughs> to, to acquire certain magical weapons. Yeah. I was like, so I was angry because I felt it was so hypocritical. He wasn't, he wasn't really offended. He just wanted to show dominance yeah. and make me feel ashamed. So yeah. that sucked. It <laughs> does suck. That's really, really frustrating. Yeah. Um, to kind of back up a little bit, were you disappointed in Kingdom Hearts 3? I haven't finished it yet. I I'm in the middle either. of it. I'm, I'm, in, not even, um, I'm not okay. even in the middle of it. I get bored. Yes. It's uh, very boring. It is because I feel like I'm just watching the Disney films again yeah. um, instead of something new. Um, yeah. so I started it maybe in October and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm only in the Rapunzel part. I, I didn't, I made it to the Hercules part. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. I just got to Toy Story. I got to Toy okay. Story and then I, more of the video, just watching TV mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I got bored and I switched over to, um, Zelda Link's Awakening. Okay. Um, and I don't know, have you played the Zelda games? No, I haven't. I got sucked into Final Fantasy XIV online. Yeah, and so that that's addicting. Yeah, there's so many um, like different add-ons and stuff that I'm still like engulfed in that. <laughs> it's still new to me. So. Well, I highly recommend um, Zelda Link's Awakening because it's a very short game. It's only about 20 hours. Oh, um, yeah, so it, I had I struggled to finish video games myself, and so <laughs> it was the one that kickstarted me into actually finishing games because it was such a low commitment game. Yeah, so that sounds highly right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. So were you? You mentioned a bit about how you were you were a kid when some of this stuff happened. So were you raised as a Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, I am. It's 
I'm not sure if I'm third or fourth generation because my grandpa and his father came into the organization around the same time. Okay. So, um, yeah, and my great grandpa. And how long ago was that? Because that. Um, so this was before my dad was born. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I would put that around the the forties or the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So third slash fourth generation. Wow. Yeah. So are they still in, are they currently still in the organization? So I have no grandparents right now. They passed away when I was pretty young. Um, My parents are in and I have aunts and uncles that are in. I have Mm -hmm. one sister that's Pimo. Oh, Uh, mm -hmm. that's nice. But she lives with mom and dad. Oh, how younger? She is 39. Okay. She's, yeah, she's an adult and she, um, she feels like she, I think she's, she's peamy enough to where she doesn't see the abuse in the organization. She just doesn't believe in it. Mm So for her, she can continue going because she feels it's, you know, she can divorce the, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's misguided, but not bad in her, uh, in her mind. And I, then I think a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because even, even mm-hmm. people that aren't PME, even people that haven't woken up. I know I felt that way for a very long time. I felt like the, and you might relate to this, that some of the teachings I disagreed with, but I felt mm-hmm. like the organization was beneficial overall and right. that I was better to be in it than out of it, whether I believed or not. Do you kind of relate yeah. to that feeling or do you, you know, is that kind of where she's at? I see her believing that. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, she just, she kind of like unraveled, um, she started reading books about the brain and the mind and that's Mm -hmm. where she deconstructed and realized, you know, all religion is kind of not real, but she feels that the organization is charitable enough and does good things to where it erases the bad things. And she's very, the organization is charitable. No, um, she hasn't not done any research at all whereas I I did the research I looked into things um Mm -hmm. the very we're both very different that way and she also is very guarded too like I feel like she's protecting she wants to hold on to the image that it's good because if it's not good I don't think that she would feel okay with herself for supporting it so it's I'm very, I have to be very careful when I talk to her because she gets very defensive. Yeah. Just so. a little bit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's such a stressful situation to be in. I think the only thing more stressful than Pima would be um, Pomi. Yes. Um, and I do not, um, I feel so bad for people that are physically in or physically out mentally in. It is yes. terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So concerning your believing family, how do they treat you now? Do they talk to you? Do they shun you? So when we, when they first found out we weren't going to meetings, um, my mom, who is kind of, um, kind of wears the pants in the family, um, Uh she tried to cut me off. And when she found out that, um, my two other sisters, so I have three sisters. Um, one has been out for 20 years 
and the oh, wow. family does not ever talk to her. She has been completely cut off. My other two sisters, um, the younger ones, Pimo, and then my older sisters, Pimi. So, so um, the sister that you haven't had contact with in 20 years, have you gotten back into contact with her? Yes. Yep. Oh, that yeah. must be nice. Yeah. It is awesome. And she's amazing. And I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my, my mom, well, when we first stopped going to the meetings, my mom cornered us and she mm -hmm. tried to, um, she tried to cut me off. And when she found out my other sisters weren't backing her on that, she did a full reversal and pretended like nothing happened. How, and, how did that make you feel? Um, I wasn't too surprised because I'd already seen what had happened with my older sister. So it wasn't as big a shock, but just disappointed that, yeah. yeah, that she was ready to throw away an entire daughter in the garbage. You yeah, know. it's that's not something that you can just shake off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very, very heavy. And I know that a lot of witnesses are led to believe that it's loving. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel loving. No. <laughs> it feels traumatizing and terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you went through that. And I know that that must complicate your guys' relationship a little bit. Yeah. She Right now, she treats me like uh, it's very strange. Like I'm a daughter that never got baptized. Like she hmm. kind of treats me like um, she's trying to encourage me and um, kind of kind of preaches a little bit but do you think maybe she's doing that to justify associating with with you to herself yeah because so that way if she gets questioned mm -hmm. she can say oh well I'm trying to bring her back yeah and then also she she has four grandchildren and two great-grandchildren that she does not ever see my wow. two kids are her only grandchildren left and I mm -hmm. think it scared her that she was about to lose her only grandchildren. I mean, it's the plot of the movie Apostasy. Yeah. That's... And then also she tried to go around me through my husband to see if maybe she could get away with cutting me off and just oh, wow. associating with him to see the kids. Wait, so and... was he not, was he still um, Pimo? He was still half, he was questioning. He was like Pim Q. Okay. He, was, he was questioning. Yeah. So she yeah. was trying to, I could see she was trying to angle to see if she could get around me to see the kids. Wow. And when, or I'm sorry, my husband wasn't giving her the validation that she was looking for. Then she kind of just decided to settle with having a tentative, you know, kind of elephant in the room relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And that's how that's, it's been. Just kind of careful. Mm -hmm. Awkward. Yeah. Um, but yeah. hopefully, hopefully it's helped you heal a little bit to have mm -hmm. some kind of relationship with her, even though it is very weird. Yeah. And for the kids, I think, yeah, because they don't, they're too young to know what's going on. And I don't want to make a decision for them yeah. that they didn't sign up for. And I think that's extremely important. And you said they were how old, 12 and 14? Yeah. 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 So I get what you mean when you, I think it's really nice that you are not allowing them to make that decision right now yeah because they i mean they might they want to see their grandmas both their grandmas yeah. yeah 
So, you know, I can't uh, rip the rug out from under them that way. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a parent, so take my words with a grain of salt. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have worldly family that have never been witnesses? And did they know that you considered yourself one of the anointed? So I do have worldly family, um, but no, because they, on both sides, um, both my husband's and mine, our worldly family are very religious, and they're oh. like, van- like evangelical, oh. there's Baptists, and there's Mormon. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. You, so, you have a whole slew of high control groups there. Uh-huh. So we... Bef- like even as JWs, we really wouldn't talk religion with them because mm-hmm. it would just get messy. Yeah. So it was just whenever we did see them, conversations were light and well, like sports and news yeah. and stuff. So they had no idea. They don't know what anointed is because they all have different theologies of what that is. And, and it was too much to... <laughs> Yeah. Try to explain and they're not going to believe it anyways. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I never yeah. felt drawn to telling them. Like I didn't feel yeah. like I wanted to tell them. Yeah. Um, what made you come to the realization that you were anointed and does that inform how you feel right now? Okay. So there were, there was a brother that was an, <laughs> sorry for the <laughs> JW lingo. It, you know what? Uh, yeah, I still say the truth. So yeah, I, okay. I can't blame you there. Yeah. He um, discovered he was anointed and he was close to our family. Like he was, he and his wife were friends with us. So it was fascinating to me. And I remember when he told um, my husband who told me a chill went up my spine. And so I thought that meant something. So then I started like, researching I started reading the Bible and researching the Hebrew and Greek um, translations and mm-hmm. just like getting really deep into it and when you read the Bible it's all about the anointed like it doesn't yeah. talk about paradise on earth it talks about the anointed going to heaven with Christ and so that was starting to resonate with me more than the literature which is all about paradise because i was like i want to go straight to the bible what does the bible say not the literature so the bible you know is telling me you're anointed and then also this brother that was friends with us you know was sharing his experiences which now i know are very human experiences but my brain was like i feel the same oh my gosh so i must be anointed too So then I started praying and asking God, if I'm anointed, let me know. And Mm -hmm. so it seemed like the answer was pushing me. Yes, because, you know, the brain likes confirmation and Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about that. So I'm thinking like everything that I saw had some special meaning or significance that was telling me, yeah, you're totally anointed. Yes. At the same time, um, the anointed brother was kind of like grooming me too because he would say, you're special, you know, you are really a deep spiritual person. And um, other people too in the congregation were saying, like, your answers at the Watchtower are not normal. There's something. Yeah, it was like. You had a lot of confirmation going on there. (laughs) Yeah, lots of confirmation. Yeah, to where, you know. It was like, well, this is very definite, and Jehovah's telling me it. So, 
And does that, you know, does, um, does it inform how you feel right now? Like, does it affect how you currently feel having believed that you were one of the anointed? Um, I don't feel it cause it feels so far away. I mean, no, it's only been maybe it hasn't two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half years seems like, oh, I don't know. It's so weird. Like a lifetime ago, yeah. but, um, yeah, it really hasn't been that long really, but, um, no, I feel like having shed the cult personality, I'm still getting to know who I really am because there's yeah. so much of your personality is shaped and formed and imposed upon that you aren't allowed to be your authentic self. And so I feel like, you know, that was part of my cult personality mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, I don't feel that way now. I feel like I just want to relate and connect to humans and yeah. be a normal person and live a normal life and do normal things. And I'm enjoying that. It's, it feels good. It's exciting. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very stressful and scary to start from scratch, especially mm -hmm. when you don't really know who you are. I think what you said was very insightful about how we, you know, when they say that people who are leaving cults or high control groups have to deconstruct or deprogram. Mm -hmm. I don't think I really grasp, grasped what it meant until um, now. Yeah. Until yeah. recently, because it's, you don't fully understand how it has molded your personality. And we should understand it because we say put on the new personality when we're in the, yeah. in the organization. I almost yeah. said it, the truth. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, oh, sorry bust um so you know it's i think that's really insightful because i think it's something that can easily be overlooked mm -hmm. um a lot of people struggle to shed that mm -hmm. um, jehovah's witness personality yeah. it's hard yeah, it's yeah. Hard. Mm -hmm. so, so did you ever have doubts about being one of the anointed well if i did they were quashed by like people in the congregation confirming to me um I did have pushback from my husband because he was very upset like oh was he, he? Why, yeah. why was he upset because he felt that he was losing his wife I he wasn't yeah. gonna be able to go to paradise with his wife and he it was that was one of the things too that helped wake him up because he was praying to Jehovah please don't take her away from me which is really oh, sad that is yeah very sad yeah. And he didn't tell that to me till, you know, at, when we were leaving, but he didn't want it to be true. Um, so, yeah, it was just really. Well, like and a, that's very complicated, too, because that would make you if he. It, because then if you decide that you're not one of the anointed, that potentially paints you to be a liar, which is even more complicated than. Yeah. A liar. Like, there's or so a, many layers to that. Yeah. A liar or mentally unstable. Yeah, another so one is good. And so um, I don't remember, I remember questioning, you know, there was, I kept asking Jehovah, I need more evidence, I need more evidence. Mm -hmm. So I questioned that. But once I committed to partaking, you know, cognitive dissonance will kind of do the rest. So like you make a decision. And then your brain wants to support that decision because it wants to believe that it's made the right decision. So once I committed to partaking, I was in the role. 
I was anointed and I didn't doubt after that. Wow. It's Mm -hmm. amazing what the brain can convince convince us of. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should know that considering we were convinced that it was the truth, but yeah, you know, I can still be surprised. Um, Mm -hmm. How did people treat you after you first partook? Um, Not good. So I had seen how people treated other people that partook and they were gossiped about, they Mm -hmm. were um, slandered and laughed about or so when I like had the realization that I was anointed, I knew that I was not going to be popular at all and that people would not like me. So when it did happen, I wasn't surprised. Um, there were brothers in my congregation that wouldn't give me comments for almost a year. They wow, yeah, I I've was, actually um, never seen a response that negative before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was me, and there was another woman in the congregation that she decided she was too, and then that elder, and mm-hmm. so. It's a lot of anointed people in one congregation. Yeah, we were talked about a lot. Like, word spread around about our congregation because there was three all at once. Um, So, and it kind of split the congregation, too, because there were half, I would say around half, that were very kind and supportive and were like, I see it, I see it, I believe it. And then the other half that were... um, treating us like we were apostates like or crazy people like you're yeah. a false like you're a false prophet or something uh-huh. yeah um which is very frustrating because it has nothing to do with anyone else you're right whether it's- or not someone is anointed if you do believe in um you know the witness theology mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with anyone else and it's a personal says, decision yeah even and if you're wrong that- who cares and the literature says that too but the culture of the congregation is its own monster yeah. so yeah it was it was uh, divisive because there was some that were very kind and supportive and then there were others that were just horrible yeah so do you feel like it lowered your perceived status in the congregation from where it was before you partook um in a way I think it made me try to um win them over so Mm. my response was okay I'm gonna sign up to pioneer and I'm gonna jump through all the hoops and I'm gonna be the best person yeah Yeah. yep so I started inviting all the elders wives out in service with me and I was pioneering and um just trying to be the bigger person yeah trying to be a spiritual uh, a source of strength for people yeah and so after the first like the first year was hard after that people relaxed around me Mm -hmm. and like the but I always felt people were careful like kind mm-hmm. of handling me with kid gloves kind of thing. Like, like we like her, but be careful because she thinks she's anointed kind of thing. Yeah. I have to admit, mm-hmm. I, I also was very um, careful around the anointed, not because I felt that they were crazy, but because I was nervous that I would offend them. Oh, that's how I felt. And my yeah. uncle is one of the anointed and it terrified me. I mean, anytime he texts me, calls me, I I'm just like, all right, <laughs> what did I do? 
And he's yeah. never he's never contacted me to tell me I've done something wrong. But there's that weird built-in fear where I'm like, well, he's an agent of Jesus, so yeah. he's watching. He and knows. they're supposed <laughs> to judge all of humankind. Yeah. Yep. And maybe not now, but in the future. So what if he feels like he can now? And what if he totally is able to? And yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. a mess. So did the memorial feel different for you? Like, was the experience any different compared to before you believed you were anointed? Yeah, because I was riding an adrenaline high. Like, the very first memorial was, like, a big rush. It was like, whoo. Well, that crunch sound is loud. It is. It's (laughs) so loud. Yeah. And I had the two others there with me. So we kind of were supporting each other. We were kind of were like trauma bonding too oh so um (laughs) that first year yeah we partook it was like a big emotional high and it felt good the next I think I partook three years after that and it was more anxious and stressful because often I sat alone it was just me and the kids uh, because my husband had privileges so he had to leave me and either do sound or he was part of like passing the place constantly running around and they had him running everywhere so after that I it was just me and the kids and so I felt really exposed because I didn't have someone Mm -hmm. sitting kind of next to me kind of shielding me a little bit yeah so it was it the next three were terrifying yeah I can Mm -hmm. imagine I mean it's it, it's stressful. And so since there was three of you, they say that a bottle of wine serves three. Mm. Um, did yeah. you guys ever drink more than just the sip that you were um, owed during the memorial ceremony? No, because I was like felt so exposed. I thought people are watching, you know, and they and are. I, that's true. And I, I was the kind of person that I, I'm an introvert and I don't like the spotlight. And so. I was telling myself, you know, don't give anyone any cause for, you know, stumbling or give them any cause to look down on you. So the first such an ancient, an anxious state to be in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Considering how much you were doing for the hall, trying to be a spiritual leader in a sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, did, did you feel like you could ever relax or were you just for no. those four years just kind of on edge no I poured my heart into my comments because the ministry I was not good at because you know as an introvert yeah everyone I was aware that everyone was expecting me to have like a million bible studies and I couldn't I couldn't get a bible study I never had one yeah. I pioneered for two years and I never had a bible study ever yeah, yeah. I tried yeah I, I tried to uh my husband had uh, like at one time, like eight to 10 Bible studies because he would go to work and, mm-hmm. um, you know, after he was at work, he befriended his coworkers. And so they already had a relationship with each other, mm-hmm. which made the doorway to having a Bible study so much easier. Whereas yeah. when you make cold calls, cold calls? <laughs> at the door, yeah, you don't have that relationship and it's so difficult to get a Bible study that way. I don't know if you tried this, um, and it doesn't work, um, but <laughs> towards the end of my uh, pioneering career, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. I was so depressed and so burned out, and I would make sure that I was going to the door by myself. I would do a tiny little knock if someone answered, because I had, I had developed such bad social anxiety, and it was actually yeah. from other people in the hall. Yeah. I'd do a tiny little knock, and then I'd say, hi, I'm offering free home Bible studies if you would like one. Say yes. If you do not want one, 
please tell me no and mm-hmm. I won't come back. Yeah. In fact, if you don't want any of us to ever come back, you can let me yeah. know and I'll put your name on a list. Yeah. I did that for probably three months. Um, and people responded really well to it. They all said no, but they were very nice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. They like it when you get to the point, but when you're with somebody, they're watching and I was not, I never ended up being alone. It was horrible. (sighs) I always had somebody watching. So I had to be on point like all the time. And, um, I had to watch everything and like people would pounce on me if I didn't do it the way they thought I should do it. Like, um, because what was it? They wanted us to do an intro, then Mm -hmm. share us. You have to share a scripture. Yep. That's what the, what the little silhouette videos tell you to do. And yep. if <laughs> I didn't know people, oh yeah, people would, um, they would, they'd be quick to shame me for it. Yeah. Because you're not have... following direction. Yeah. Um, do you feel any residual kind of, for lack of a better term, paranoia of feeling watched? Um, I did at first, um, but not now. So like, um, yeah, I just, I don't feel that way anymore. Um, I used to, I, once in a while I'll have dreams where I'm all of a sudden I'm in the kingdom hall sitting in, at the meeting or a convention and I'm mm-hmm. looking around and I thought, why did I think this was a good idea? Why did I come here? <laughs> like, oh, cause you, in the dream, you're just all of a sudden there. You don't. Yeah. And then I'm thinking like, why did I do this? What? <laughs> so <laughs> once in a while I have those, but when I was, um, when I was in the organization, I used to have nightmares that I would all of a sudden be in somebody's bedroom, like an intimate part of their house. Oh, weird. And I was out in service, you know, and I'm in their bedroom and they are away and then they come in the house and discover me there. And you're like, hi, I'm here yeah. to talk to you about. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I did. Then I have to go right into my spiel and try to convince them this is totally normal that I'm in their bedroom. <laughs> I had those nightmares too. It was yeah. so weird. I also had a nightmare where somebody, uh, they, I couldn't find the door. So I knocked on a window. He opened the window a little bit and he goes like this, uh, like gesturing for me to go around. So I go around and the house never ends and I never find <laughs> the window again. And yeah. I just keep going around and then I woke up. Yeah. Which Stress is funny because yeah. I would never do that because I would never put that much work into making sure someone was home. Yeah. Um, did being anointed affect your relationships with friends and family at all? And in what ways? Yeah, with my family, um, I felt like they were trying to be careful of my emotional and mental health. So mm-hmm. they were kind, but I could tell um, just by certain things, they said that they didn't really believe it. Um, you know, they so, definitely had family meetings to talk yeah. about it. And that's really anxiety inducing yeah because like my my peony sister would say things like because she was really really happy she got a bible study and was telling everybody mm-hmm. and she's like how many bible studies do you have and it was like i don't have any right now well have you thought about praying to jehovah for one it's like one of those things and yeah so i could tell like it was it was kind of like um a little condescending because it's like that's well, a lot did you of really... a lot of condescending yeah because it's like mm, you have the audacity to think you're anointed but yeah. you're not questioning why you don't have a bible like jehovah hasn't blessed oh, you so with weird. one yeah interesting wow um that i've had an, a similar experience as someone who's not anointed i worked <laughs> with a brother who every single time he passed me 
would say something. And the last thing he ever said to me before I left was, have you made your mind over today? Oh my goodness. Um, and I said, no, I haven't, Dale. Have you? <laughs> when was the last time you studied, Dale? Why don't you go talk to somebody else, Dale? Stop talking about my spiritual progress. Yeah. Um, and I said that and he stopped. So that's good. Well, that's, that's the thing is like, there were so many spiritual dominance displays where it's... they're trying to size you up and they're mm-hmm. puffing out their feathers to, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. And it's funny because you're told it's a loving organization and the brothers and sisters have so much love, but then there's all this posturing. And mm-hmm. yeah, because of that word control, sometimes it's hard to acknowledge what you see right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're told something, I mean, you're gaslit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard. I mean, like you said, cognitive dissonance. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So with are there friends? Yeah. yeah with friends. friends. Well, I didn't have any. <laughs> um, there were some that I was close to that were kind, but um, I just never, I had a really hard time getting close with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the friends that I was friends with, um, I did see a change, but then my view was like, oh, I understand why they think that way. You know, it's okay for them to think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. And so Giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, then I just tried to be, like, really, really patient and kind with them, thinking, well, they'll come around. And if not, that's okay. I have Jehovah, so, you know. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I mean, I I hope that line of reasoning brought you comfort. Yeah, at the time it did. At the time? Okay, that's good. Because, you know, know, what do you, yeah. people? What do you believe in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I did. and Yeah. I was full, like, yeah, I just went head first deep into everything about it. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll never discount people's experiences where they feel that God supported them because mm-hmm. um, whether or not God exists, regardless, um, being able to have that positive talk, like self-talk in your brain mm-hmm. um, is going to affect your attitude towards things. Yeah. So whether that's praying or just, you know, making your mind over for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, it has a positive effect regardless of whether or not God has anything to do with it. So, but it is a very powerful feeling. So I can see why it's so easy to believe that God exists. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. It's comforting to people. Yeah. Um, I know it brought me a lot of comfort. It doesn't anymore, but it did. Yeah. Are there any, pers- do you feel like there are any perceived difficulties in being anointed and a woman in comparison to men? Um, yes. Because I know you had a male friend who was anointed. So, you know, mm-hmm. do you feel like you guys were treated differently in any way? In some ways we were. Um, he went into it thinking he was going to be accepted immediately and mm. everyone would love him. Is that so what happened? He, no. Okay. <laughs> so he, yeah, that was a rude awakening for him and he did not like it at all so uh, he wanted yeah he wanted the he wanted to be accepted and he liked hearing the praise and he wanted to keep that good vibe going and so um but as for men and women um yeah because the literature so often depicts it as like an elderly man is grabbing the cracker an elderly man is sipping the wine you know Mm -hmm. they reinforce the stereotype it's an older you know mature male uh, member of the organization with privileges or a glowing 
Bethel resume. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think I felt very exposed that I was just being audacious and presumptuous, you know, as a woman Mm -hmm. to seize that privilege, you know. Uh, Well, and, and for the real quick, for those who don't know, those who are listening or watching, when the, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the anointed, once they are resurrected to heaven, are genderless spirit creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of them will rule equally. And so with that belief in mind, how do you feel that that affected how you were treated as a woman in the congregation, knowing that at the time, believing and knowing that you would eventually rule with Christ in heaven? So that was weird because like, I, I remember questioning that because we would joke like, oh, I'm going to have a beard, you know, <laughs> but it didn't seem real. Like I was thinking, I don't know about that because there is, um, I think in Zechariah, there's um, a scripture about two women with wings that mm-hmm. come and take, it's like a jar that's has another woman in it called wickedness away. So I thought, mm-hmm. hmm, there are women spirit creatures according to Zechariah. So yeah. maybe I'll get to remain a woman. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't know if I want to trade my boobs for a beard. I know. Yeah. I haven't decided yet. So yeah. um sorry. <laughs> Lost track of my thoughts. Do you believe the elders deal with anointed ones differently or similarly to how other congregants are treated? I think that they try to like with us and because it was so unusual that there was three of us that became anointed at the same time, they treated it like, um, it was kind of like a red flag. So really, yeah. Like that it was possible apostasy and they were blaming the elder. Yeah. Cause he was the first and then it was a 50 year old woman. And then it was me. I was in my early Uh thirties. So they, fascinating yeah they considered it he was trying to groom people into believing they were anointed so he could start a cult oh do you think he was no i think he was lonely and he wanted other people to share in his joy so he would have people i think he just wanted human connection and he felt you know he was um given this wonderful privilege and Mm -hmm. he his first thought was who else who else, you know? And so he started, and is he still in? Um, he's pomey. So he's physically out, but he still believes. Yeah. Yeah. He just thinks that I think, um, I get the sense that early watchtower to him was the real truth and Mm -hmm. it's apostatizing from how it started. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that is a really difficult position to be in. So, when one of the anointed goes to the elders for counsel, mm-hmm. is it different? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We had a weird situation where we weren't going to the elders for counsel, but we needed their help. Um, there was a mentally ill man in his 30s that was acting in a very sexual way with the children in the mm-hmm. congregation. And um, come to find out, people had been complaining about him for 10 years, and he was still not watched, and he was allowed to do things that no one should do. Yeah. Um, Isolating kids, touching them, like, grabbing them and squishing them against him in a bear hug. Um, And and they knew, and they wouldn't watch him? Yeah. I found out that uh, he had bitten a woman on her breast, 
um, right in the middle of the Kingdom Hall, um, where everyone could see. And it was just like, oh, that's, that's just, he's, yeah, he, that's just what he does. His hormones are out of control. So it was normalized and downplayed like nothing. When yeah, and, that and is lions up. hunt. You don't put a lion in a room, like in the middle of a room with a bunch of gazelles. Yeah. And say, oh, that's what he does. Yeah. And that was sexual assault. You know, yeah. that, it, um, that should have been a thing that was criminal. So yeah. um, our situ- like we never really went to them for counsel. We were going to them to try to address the situation because he kept targeting yeah. my kids um but we were not supported at all not at all they came to our house they wrote everything down every incident that i said and there were many and um they were like thank you sister and they prayed with us they left and then nothing changed nothing at all yeah and what's sad about that is the bare minimum they could do is watch him because i know of a case of pedophilia in one of the congregations that one of the sister congregations of the congregation that I went to growing up Mm -hmm. and I just learned this yesterday um there was a pedophile in that congregation and what the elders did was basically they said you can't I mean they wouldn't they disfellowshipped him but then they Mm -hmm. also wouldn't let him be alone when he went to the bathroom okay um they watched him like a hawk um and all of the elder bodies knew in that town because you know they they wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. And he actually molested a studies child in the Kingdom Hall bathroom. And oh so they, um, yeah, they made sure to watch him like a hawk. I'm actually pretty sure that his wife also reported him. So that's a positive case of people stepping in. So it shocks me that, or not, it doesn't shock me, but it's sad to me that your congregation couldn't do the bare minimum to protect the yeah. That's and really it was sad. it was the elders, yeah, and they didn't want to do anything. They and um it was all women that were coming forward to complain about him. Um there were about maybe five or six different women that came to me and said, Watch out for him because he's done this. Watch out for mm-hmm. him because he's done that. And I found out they were telling the elders and they were all being told, We're aware of the situation and it's being handled. Do you and, think it would have been handled differently if a brother reported it? Uh, yeah, I do. I definitely, or if it happened to one of the elders, wives or children, it would have been different. Yeah. Um, wait, so an an elder's wife or child never had to, never had an interaction, a negative interaction with this brother? Yeah. Um, he, he, he liked small children and all the elders had like, uh, teen children. Um, one ministerial servant had two daughters that were being targeted, but he was completely oblivious it was my husband had to tell him, um, you need to watch him around your daughters. And I actually had to go and intervene because he had cornered them and yeah. was hovering over them and like trying to touch and stuff. And I came and just got in his face and wouldn't move. And then until he stormed off. So it was just nobody wanted to see it because then if they saw it, they'd have to deal with it. So it was like they were in such denial that this was a problem. And almost that like is, as if wishing it wasn't a problem would just make it go away. But it I didn't. mean, that is common in the culture. Yeah. So yeah. is this ultimately what spurred your decision to leave the organization? Yeah, this was going on. Like I, I was having panic attacks thinking of bringing my children to the Kingdom Hall. The kids were 
crying when we'd get them ready saying, I don't oh. want to go to meeting. I don't want to go to meeting. Um, the, I ended up writing a letter because the elders weren't doing anything. And I itemized every single incident in the letter oh, wow. to the circuit overseer. And uh, he wrote back to me, um, your letter has been forwarded to all the elders in the congregation. So he, which was horrifying because I didn't know he was going to do that. I That's thought it was upsetting. Yeah. You thought it was confidential. Yeah. Basically telling all the elders, this is what she's saying about you. Um, wow. Because I went over their head. So and did he say, is that why he forwarded it to, you didn't go over their head. You went to them first. Yeah. But it was treated like, uh, he just said, um, I'm giving this, this very detailed letter to all the elders in your congregation. Uh, your love, your loving shepherds will get in contact with you soon. So in other words, it's not my problem, it's theirs, and I've made all of them aware of it. Wow. Um, so he horrifying. just circled it back to them. And then yeah. when his next visit came, he said nothing to us, nothing That's... kind or supportive or encouraging. He said nothing about it. So, yeah, it was that was part of my leaving. Um, at that same time, the Watchtower study articles on how to deal with child molesters and the molested mm -hmm. came out. And I, I had been in this articles say, um, I was so disgusted with them because I had been anticipating them because mm -hmm. there was like, um, the first of the series of four came out like a couple months before the other ones came out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Oh, finally, they're going to call out that there's predators that are JWs in the congregation, they're finally going to say it. Like, that's what I yeah. thought. Nope. What I ended up so happening? <laughs> yeah. It said the elders will do everything in their power to restore that spiritually sick man. So in other words, we're going to hang on to the predators and keep them in our congregation. That's our resolve. And it, I our last, yeah, my cow. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. She can stay. Okay. <laughs> Try ya. So our last meeting was that last study article. Wow. Um, yeah, that we we just decided, like, both of us to not go at the same time. We were kind of waiting for each other to be the one to say, oh, hey, going to get ready for meeting? Or, hey, mm -hmm. you ready to go out in service? So we were kind of just waiting for the other one to to give the push to go and yeah. neither of us did and so after a couple weeks we kind of like looked at each other and like are we are we going back to meetings and we kind of decided yeah I don't want to go back yeah and I I can see why I mean that is a horrifying thing to face yeah um so what was the response to you deciding not to go back um so for a while the elders were coming by the house and um one time because they always do surprise visits. They try to catch you, you know, when you're home. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter had applied makeup to half of one side of my husband's face. So, <laughs> and he fell asleep and took a nap. So, and then the doorbell rang. He forgot. He got up and opened the door and it was an elder from our congregation. He had blush, mascara, eyeliner, and pink lipstick on exactly one half of his face. And he... <laughs> When he got done talking to him, he realized he was wearing makeup 
and it ended up just like we were laughing so hard. <laughs> I think we we scared him off. <laughs> it's like what are these terrible people doing? Yeah, not cross dressing. Yeah, man, that's really funny. Yeah, and there were two more times they came by. Um, both we had um the two ministerial servants came by like on school nights like at nine o'clock at night invited themselves in just to like try to see if and it was always to talk not to me yeah um i i feel like they thought he was being influenced by me that Mm -hmm. i was because later on there was a marking talk and it was about the jezebel influence so he they liked (sighs) him a lot and I think they wanted to believe he was being led astray by, you know, the evil woman. Mm-hmm. So, Deceived by Eve. Yeah. So yeah. my mother-in-law just said that uh, to my husband oh. an hour ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oops. Uh, yeah. Well, my, my in-laws too, they, they couldn't believe cause I keep seeing his name. Um, my husband. Would you like me to cut his name out? Yeah. Okay. I will do that. Yeah. My husband, um, he was treated like the golden child in his yeah. family and so um they want they really really wanted to believe that i was emotionally abusing him and oh, taking course. him out of the truth and um so now um, that he's been out for two years you know he's not coming back so i think that's been hard for them to adjust that he's yeah. made his own decision and it had nothing to do with me yeah mm-hmm. but they're gonna have to realize it um, do you feel that being anointed hindered your path to leaving the organization? Like, did, did it cause any hiccups? Um, no, because, um, after that or around the time that that study article came out, I was so disturbed that I gave myself permission to research Charles Taze Russell's divorce. Oh, I did not know that he, oh, yeah, about this. It's they briefly mention it in the Kingdom Proclaimers book. Um, what do they say about it in that book? So they reference in the book, they reference almost word for word um, an article that he wrote himself after the divorce. So he basically put out a PR Watchtower special edition where <laughs> he told the entire narrative of what happened. And his narrative says that she became controlling and wanted to seize control of watchtower and um when she was denied a greater role then she stormed off and left him um that is not what happened (laughs) yeah do you want to tell our listeners what actually happened (laughs) yeah i do (laughs) so the first place i went to was um watchtower documents i think it's org and it's barbara anderson's website and mm-hmm. she is one of the people that wrote the the kingdom proclaimers book she was a researcher on it so she had collected all these newspaper articles that covered charles taze russell and i think her name is pronounced mariah mm-hmm. their divorce and um she had actually stepped down from watchtower so she was a co-editor so she um contributed articles to watchtower but charles was the main editor and was responsible for whatever went in there Mm -hmm. um she he had he the way uh, he was abusive and he um was a cruel 
man. Um, she ended up stepping down um, after she found out he was unfaithful to her with oh, wow. a secretary, um, Rose Ball. The secretary confessed to Mariah that they had been having something. Fiddling. Yeah. <laughs> Victorian speak for, yeah, that. Yes. And um, so she confronted, so Mariah confronted Charles Taze Russell about it. And after that, he became very cruel to Mariah. And um, she stepped down because um, she found out he was altering her articles without her permission. So she would submit her article and he would make changes to it. And she found out and said, I don't agree with what you put in here because it's not scriptural. And he pulled the man card and said, you will, you have no say in it. I will put in whatever I want to put in. It's my, it's my magazine. Wow. So she said, well, then I don't want to be a co-editor. Just make me a contributor. Mm -hmm. And as a contributor, he could deny all of her articles, which he did for, I think four months after she stepped down, none of her articles appeared in a single one. And um, so the story that she couldn't seize control was false. He had seized control and was, you know, Um, committing forgery on her papers, not telling her. Um, um, There was another incident where she became very sick. She had what was called erysipelas. It's Mm -hmm. a contagious skin disease um, that causes painful outbreaks of rashes and fever and fatigue. Um, Oh, no. And people can die from it. Yeah. He um, kept her in a sick room. He refused her, her a doctor. Um, he claimed that he, in the courtroom, that he he was attentive to her and changing mm-hmm. her bandages. She said no, not. that he, he would kick her out of the sick room and say, get out. I need to work in here. Um, he, at one point, left for a week, and she became fearful that um, he was seeking to have her committed to a mental institution um, because he kept telling her you're mentally ill and I have no choice but to put you in a mental institution. Wow. Which at the time um, was, mm-hmm. was horrific. It was, that could have been a death sentence. Yeah. So um, yeah. So Barbara Anderson's website, it's, it's um, you have to dig through a lot of Brooklyn daily Eagle articles to get mm-hmm. the story but it's very wow. thorough and he um yeah ultimately he tried to put her in a mental institution so she fled she ran to her brother who is a i believe was a paralegal for legal help in sanctuary because he was going to yeah throw her He's away gonna condemn her to death yeah so wow. that's the story of what happened so i had re- researched that realized that the organization is toxic and corrupt from its roots to its tip that there was no um there was no man of god involved you know if if jehovah needed to use that man to spread his message then i didn't want it yeah so and i was telling um a friend this the other day either this isn't jehovah's organization or jehovah is not a loving god yeah Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's just no way. So, yeah. Do you have any doubts or fears concerning leaving the organization? 
I was worried, you know, people would feel vindicated, like, aha, see, mm-hmm. she's an apostate, or she, you know, she, yeah. she wasn't anointed at all, and look what happens to people who think that they are, let this be a warning <laughs> lesson, <Jeez>. you know, <laughs> I had the fear that I would be the warning lesson, but yeah. now, you know, it just seems silly that, yeah, it feels... And at the time, it's not silly, that's your whole world, so... Exactly, yep. It was, and now that I have other connections outside of that, it's like, oh, who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let them true. talk. Yeah. So this is funny because we just um, talked a lot of smack about the beliefs and everything in the organization and the people mm-hmm. in the organization being kind of toxic. Mm-hmm. But what do you miss the most about being a Jehovah's Witness? This question, yeah, is really challenging. Um there's because there's times where I miss certain things. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes I miss the structure. Yeah. But it's the structure without the pressure, without the fear, obligation, and guilt. Yeah, I without miss, the gun to your head. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And the shaming. Yes. Um occasionally, yeah, I'll miss having that kind of little cocoon, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the feeling that the cocoon brought, you know, of I feel safe. There's an answer for everything. Um, if I have worries, Jehovah will take care of it. Oh, yeah. if I have fears or there's injustice, no worries. Jehovah will take care of it. Yeah. I miss kind of that feeling of just being so glib yeah, and carefree that um, you just kind of breeze through life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I miss that in a way. But as for, like, the other things, when I look back at, like, conventions, like, no, I don't miss that. That was boring. Not at all. <laughs> like, I miss lunch at the convention. Yes. <laughs> I can have lunch anywhere, though. See, but... I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit more shallow than you. The thing I miss the most is being able to just go anywhere in the world and have somewhere to stay. Yeah. That was... People to hang out with. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, definitely a little bit of a shallow one for me but no it is what I miss the most is just that instantaneous friendship and maybe it's not a deep friendship but you feel like you can trust everyone which is sad because honestly it's a false sense of security you really can't trust anyone um Mm -hmm. so readily and you shouldn't but but I do miss being that like you said carefree kind of naive but carefree yeah yeah that common yeah with somebody exactly Mm -hmm. what do you miss the least about being a Jehovah's Witness uh well, the spiritual routine was exhausting. You Did know, you I, actually follow it? Um, yeah. Well, in, in your private life. Oh, um, study. Yeah, like I was very rigid and very literal, so yeah. I I took it to the letter. So, um, and then, but then I'd go back and forth too because, like, before I became anointed, we were kind of um like fringe JWs, like we weren't. Yeah really good we didn't we weren't regular at anything there was a time like after I had the kids where I wasn't on the school for years and years oh, wow. um then I didn't comment for years and years and so we went from like being fringe witnesses to uber witnesses yeah. and then to we just faded out <laughs> to nothing yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, then I'm so I can't remember where I was going with that uh, uh the, you were telling me about the thing you missed the least. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I, I was stressed and exhausted by the routine because I felt 
put on the spot so much and pe- uh, like mm-hmm. people are watching you and yeah. you um, put on the spot it was mm-hmm. it, you're right to feel that way yeah um i think just like the culture of just how toxic it was i don't miss that i don't miss the um the posturing and yeah. the dominance displays and yeah. having to be careful what you say and having to like figure out how do I mention to someone I like this game or this book yeah. or this movie and I'm am I going to be safe telling them I like this or are they going to come yeah, down how do me? how do I share my interests with people without their bloods getting all their blood getting all over my hands yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah I I hate the tiptoeing and the walking on eggshells and then yeah. just like how toxic people are because people just there's so many mean people there are a lot of mean people in the organization it's mm-hmm. shocking and it sounds like your hall had a good percentage of them yeah 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 that's really really unfortunate i mean i guess actually that's probably lucky because i've been to kingdom halls where everyone is wonderful yeah all the time and i don't think i would have ever left if yeah i had that hall i mean it's amazing that i don't know if you've watched falling tower uh, oh no! He has one video, and it's um, an amazing video with a ton of views because he's he was an elder, and when he left, and in, the, in his exit video, for lack of a better term, he was very compassionate, and he talked about how amazing his kingdom hall was, and how amazing the brothers and sisters were, and how much he's gonna miss it. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to him personally, and honestly, it, it is amazing he ever woke up because. Mm-hmm having been an elder in a congregation where the elder body is really cohesive and everybody takes care of each other, Mm -hmm. um, that, that would be hard to leave. Yeah, I agree. Even if you disagreed with the beliefs, I mean, that would be very, very hard to leave. Um, so there's been a lot of discussion concerning oppression as a Jehovah's witness, especially for sisters has recognizing that these issues won't disappear impact you. Cause I know that's something I always used to say was, um, because I'm, huge into women's rights Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I would like especially as a witness it was frustrating to me to not be able to just run the mics why can't I just run the mics am I so fragile that I can't run mics and why does it have to be there aren't enough brothers in the hall so now a sister has to do it so do you feel like so I always thought to myself well I don't think this is how things were meant to be. I think this is because of that letter to the Christian congregation in Corinth because Paul's a jerk. Yeah. And so I think we took this out of context, but it'll be corrected in the, the new system and then sexism won't exist. I was looking forward to sexism disappearing and being able to just travel safely. Yeah. And knowing that that isn't going to happen mm-hmm. crushed me a little bit. Do you have any similar, I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the fact that the issues of today's world that you thought were going to disappear. Oh aren't. yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a grieving process that mm-hmm. my husband and I went through. Like we grieved hard because, you know, everything wasn't going to be magically fixed, you know, yeah. um, that means your kids are going to have to live in this system of things. And mm-hmm. right. So, and then also uh, the grieving of the loss of wasted time, you know, thinking because you're like, I don't need to um, take art classes because I'm going to be painting forever in paradise or I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do this because I'm going to have all the time in the world in paradise. So you need to store up treasures in heaven. Yeah. Not on earth. So there, yeah, there was grief over the loss of so much wasted potential and 
things, missed opportunities, things that you never did because you thought you could do it later. So yeah, it was hard. Um, People need to understand that you need to give yourself time to grieve and be patient with that because it's painful to have that shock of realization. Yeah. And especially when you no longer believe that there's going to be a new system. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, it is horrifying. So yeah. Um, What are your current beliefs? Right now, I would say that I'm agnostic or slash atheist because just in like in the absence of belief, I have not seen the evidence um, reading about the brain and how it works, how it comes to form beliefs and opinions, um, Mm -hmm. you know, made me realize it was all me. And so outside of me, I haven't seen the evidence, you know, Um, I'm open to that, you know, if God wants to talk to me, <laughs> maybe I'll change my mind. Well, like but if, right if you now, want to yeah. present some evidence, I will um, submit it to the court. But uh-huh. right now, yeah. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, and just like the Bible, like deconstructing the Bible, things written in it, you realize, you know, this is very human. You know, this, yeah. this isn't coming from a supernatural outside person's perspective. This is a person writing about what they're seeing and experiencing in the time that they're living. And when you stop looking at it as a guideline for your life and start Mm -hmm. looking at it as theology, it really doesn't seem that much different than Greek mythology or like a lot of, a lot of mythologies. And so, in fact, a lot of them have similar trends. They even talk about that in the, um, man's search for mankind's search for God. God. But I always say God's search for mankind as if he lost them and they disappeared. I always get it mixed up. Like, where'd they go? (laughs) It's just a book about god looking for mankind he misplaced them yeah um yeah oh no um they even make that connection talking about noah's sons and how mythology may have spread uh i talked to a bethelite about that very thing and i don't understand how i could make that connection and say oh mythology supports the bible yeah it substantiates the bible because these experiences obviously got altered along the way and that's how we got all those different mythologies yeah that that doesn't make sense i mean it does but not really it doesn't uh, mm-hmm. mean that the Bible is accurate. It just means that humankind had common experiences in the early days, and that's okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any advice for those who are thinking about leaving or for those who have already left? Um, yeah, for those that have already left, um, be patient with the grieving process. I know um, there's some, I've spoken with some that when they first um, realized it was all not real, were even suicidal too, because that's how shocking it is. And um, everybody also has a different setup of support. You know, there's some people that are completely alone where they've been abandoned by parents or they've been abandoned by spouses. Um, So I know like there's some that don't like PIMOs and say, Mm -hmm. I've heard it said in, in some of the XJW communities, um, quit being a coward why don't you just leave or if you don't believe in it why don't you just leave because some have been um hobbled and handicapped their whole life to be dependent on certain family members and not everyone is set up to be able to leave um some can't and so i feel that um pimos deserve all the love of the xjw community because um 
I feel for them. You know, if they wanted to leave and they couldn't, you know, that's horrible. Yeah. So, um, I believe people, you know, everyone should be patient with the, their own individual circumstances. Um, and for people that are thinking about leaving, you know, best what's going on in your life. Um, that there's a community that's here to support you, but, um, you alone know what's best. And so like, I'm grateful that we were, my husband and I were able to leave without, you know, pressure that we were able to make our very first decision that way be our decision. And so I think that's important. People need to feel free to decide, um, what's best for them. Like, so like my Pimo sister, for example, she's decided she's okay with living at home and going to meetings. And so, Mm -hmm. um, she's resolved that. And if it makes her happy, then I'm happy for her. Yeah. So I just want, you know, people to be happy. Well, I think that's the entire point of leaving is that you want to make your own decision. Mm -hmm. And so really the decision to leave, regardless of how you feel about the relationship really should be Oh, oh, sorry, about the religion should mm-hmm. really be on your own terms. I think that yeah. is really important. Yeah. 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 So where can people find you? Do you write anything and post anywhere or are you on Twitter? So I'm on Twitter under Mrs. Kittyotic. Kittyotic? <laughs> and how do yeah. you spell that? Um, K-I-T-T-I-O-T-I-C. Okay. Kittyotic. Yeah. I think I actually follow you. Yes. Um, yeah. I do? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And, you know, I'm really, really happy that you were willing to do this interview with me. It's the first interview I've ever done. And it was very nice to have you on our, I mean, this will be on the podcast and on my YouTube channel. Um, And it's timely because we have the memorial coming up in 10 days. Yes. Yep. So, (laughs) yep. It's on a lot of people's minds, whether you're a witness or not. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope that we can do this again. This was yes. fun. Or play video games sometime. I'm gonna I, after this after I hit end broadcast. I'm gonna send you a bunch of stuff. So yay! Prepare to be flooded with recommendations and questions. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Bye.